More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to cancerscreeninfo.com today. Cancerscreeninfo.com. Unjoke your sleep at Mattress Firm Cyber Week sale and wake up a better you. Shop in-store or online and save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchase, up to a $499 value. Or save up to $500 on Tempur-Pedic, the most highly recommended bed in America. And you can shop with confidence thanks to our low-price guarantee. Unjunk your sleep only at Mattress Firm. Offer valid with qualifying purchase. Restrictions apply. See details at mattressfirm.com. Hello and welcome to Learn English Vocabulary. My name's Jack and I'm making this podcast for you to learn or revise English vocabulary. You can find a transcript of this podcast on learnenglishvocabulary.co.uk. There's a page for this podcast with the transcript, an activity and a task for you to do in the comments section. Today, I'm going to make a podcast following a request from a listener who left me a comment on the Learn English Vocabulary website. The listener is Valen and they asked if I could make a podcast about paintings or visual arts or about artists. So, I'm going to talk about art and look at vocabulary related to paintings and movements in art. This is a big topic, so there's a lot that I could include. I'll try to limit this podcast to the sort of language you can use to describe paintings in an art gallery. The language will be quite advanced, so I think that this will be a C1 podcast. I should also point out that I didn't know the history that I'm about to talk about. I'm going to talk about a lot of different periods in the history of art, and I had to look these up to find out when they were and what sort of art they describe. Some of the terms I'm going to talk about are not well known unless you're interested in art. So, if you're not interested in art, some of the language won't be very useful. But I do hope that at least Valen, who requested this topic, will find it useful. Before we get started on specific gallery language, I think I want to look at the definition of the word art. You see, if you look at the definition at different levels, you might get a slightly different idea. You see, at lower intermediate, the definition is art. The making of objects, images, music, etc. that are beautiful or that express feelings. Whereas, if you look up the definition at upper intermediate, it says Art. An activity through which people express particular ideas. I suppose the definitions are not too different, but somewhere, as your level of English improves, the idea that artistic creations should be beautiful disappears. I think that's right. I don't think that art has to be beautiful. There are 
Lots of things that are beautiful that are not art. Flowers are beautiful. Some people are beautiful. And there are beautiful objects that are created by master craftsmen, master craftspeople, that are not art. Artists might want to express the beauty of nature or people through their work, but just being beautiful doesn't make something art. So the important thing is that a picture or work expresses an idea or ideas. It has something to say to the people that look at it. Visual art is often described as representational or abstract. Representational art is easy to understand. In representational art, objects or places from the world are recreated in paintings. When we say that a painting represents something, we mean that the artist wanted to show something. It's similar to show, but it can be used in a figurative way as well. So things can represent more than they can show. Flowers often have meaning in art. You might hear someone say, the lilies represent purity or love. Traditional portraits and landscapes are representational. Lots of religious art is representational. Recently, in a cave on the Indonesian island of Sulawesi, a cave painting was discovered of three pigs that was painted 45,000 years ago. This is the oldest known example of representational art in the world. However, you're not going to find cave art in a gallery. The oldest paintings in the National Gallery in London are from the beginning of the Renaissance. The word Renaissance means renewal or revival. Renewal means to make something new again and Revival comes from the verb to revive, which means to bring something back to life. The word Renaissance is most commonly used to talk about a period of European history in which there was a new or revived interest in art and lots of artists at that time created lots of paintings. We use the word period to talk about a length of time in history. In ancient Greece and Rome, there was art and culture. Culture means intellectual activities, music, stories and paintings and sculpture. So there was a lot of it in Greece and Rome. And then, after the fall of the Roman Empire, Europe went through the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, when there wasn't much art. Then, the Renaissance came around and the influence of classical, Roman and Greek art created or inspired a new, revived interest in art and artistic creations. I like the word influence. It just means to have an effect on something, particularly in how it develops. But it sounds like inflow, and it's used a lot to talk about artists whose work is similar to the artists before them. It's like the ideas of the artists before flowed into the new artists and influenced them. Back to the Renaissance. The Renaissance started in Italy in the 13th century. Some art historians, that is, people who work in universities and study and write about history, will tell you that it happened later, but 
There are works in the National Gallery from the end of the 13th century and from the 14th century that look like the beginning of the Renaissance to me. These are all religious paintings. Some of them look quite funny with oddly shaped people and lots of gold. There's a painting by an artist referred to as the master of the Borgo crucifixes called the Man of Sorrows. The painting shows a grim-looking Jesus after the crucifixion. The period described as the Renaissance continued until 1600, so famous Italian artists like Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo were Renaissance artists. There were some artists from other countries as well. Holbein from Germany, Hieronymus Bosch from the Netherlands, Van Eyck from Belgium. But the list of Italian artists from this period is much longer. After the Renaissance, from 1600 until around 1720, is the period known as Baroque. The paintings from this period are more dramatic and often have dark and moody scenes. Renaissance paintings often depict or show people sitting around and getting on with their normal day-to-day -day business. In Baroque art, the painters chose much more dramatic moments. Depict is a useful word to say what a painting shows. You can say, this painting depicts a scene from ancient Greece. The Italian artist Caravaggio worked from the Renaissance and into the Baroque period, and his work is very exciting and dramatic with high contrast. So, da Vinci chose to paint The Last Supper, in which everyone is sitting down and having a meal. Caravaggio chose the moment when Judas betrays Jesus and he's taken by the Roman soldiers. It's an amazing painting, full of movement. Your eye is drawn around the canvas to the faces that are catching the light. Most paintings in galleries are painted on canvas. Canvas is a strong, plain cloth. It's usually quite a thick cloth, and you can sometimes see the threads if you look at a painting up close. To paint on it, the canvas is stretched over a wooden frame. Usually, the word canvas, when talking about art, is used to refer to the cloth and the frame. Caravaggio used a special technique to encourage you to look around the canvas. This technique has a special word and is similar to contrast. Normally, we would use the word contrast to talk about the range of highlights and shadows. If a picture has a lot of bright highlights and a lot of very dark shadows, then you could say that the painting has a lot of contrast. However, artists use the word chiaroscuro to describe this type of painting. So, you could say Caravaggio is famous for his use of chiaroscuro. After the Baroque period was the Rococo period. This period lasted from 1720 till 1780. Rococo is normally associated with a style of decoration in churches with lots of fiddly decorations. It is similar to Baroque, but usually paintings from this period are less moody. There's still a lot of drama, but the paintings are more brightly coloured and feature less 
death and killing. Neoclassicism followed the Rococo period. Perhaps as a consequence of the light-hearted Rococo artists, the following period of art drew on the classical art of ancient Greece and Rome, as the Renaissance artists had done before them. Neoclassicist artists were painting between 1750 and 1830. You'll find lots of paintings of scenes from Greece and Rome from this time. At almost the same time, well, overlapping for 50 years, another movement was happening. Between 1780 and 1880 is the period known as Romanticism. Artists from this period can be described as Romantic artists. In this period, you get paintings full of drama, but instead of the exciting moments of action, the drama is more emotional. So there are lots of moody paintings, but they're somehow more reflective than the paintings of the Baroque period. One of the paintings I loved when I was a teenager is from this period. It's called The Fighting Temeraire by Turner and it shows a majestic warship from the age of sailing ships being towed to be scrapped by a small, steam-powered ship. The great warship was once the most powerful military force, but in the painting, the era of the sail was finished, and the powerful warship was out of date and worth more as scrap. It's easy to get a sense of the emotions Turner was trying to evoke. The next important period in the history of art is Impressionism, which developed in France and describes artists working between 1860 and 1890. It's a short period, but some of the most popular artwork was created. During this period, artists tried to work outside rather than in studios and tried to capture the scenes they were observing quickly and accurately. They wanted to capture the changing light and how this affected colour. To do this, they used larger brush strokes and daubs of colour. The artists Monet, Cezanne, Renoir and Degas are all Impressionists. Two distinct movements developed out of Impressionism, Neo-Impressionism and Post-Impressionism. Neo-Impressionist artists took some of the techniques of Impressionism. The techniques are the skillful ways of doing something. For the Neo-Impressionists, this was using spots of colour that are mixed on the canvas and not on the palette so that the viewer sees natural-looking colours when the paintings are viewed from a distance. A painter's palette is the little tray they use to hold and mix paint when they're working. Post-Impressionists artists include Cézanne, Gauguin and Van Gogh. These artists took the ideas of Impressionism and developed them further. For example, Van Gogh painted from nature, but his use of colour and brushwork reflected his personal way of seeing or responding to the subject. And this is when art starts to get weird. Before this point, all the way up to Van Gogh, I can look at a painting and tell what it is. Sometimes you can even judge a painting on how well you can tell what something is, how real something looks. 
But from around 1900, things start to get strange. From this time, different styles of art are described as movements. The word movement, in this sense, describes people working together, or at least towards the same goal. So when artists shared similar ideas or wanted to express themselves using the same sorts of techniques, the work is classed as being part of a movement. You can still match movements to the times that artists were creating art, but the timeline is less clear and different movements happened at the same time. The first modern movement was Expressionism. Artists of this movement tried to express emotions and feelings rather than represent reality. The most famous painting from this movement is Edvard Munch's The Scream, which depicts a cartoonish man holding his head in his hands under a red sky. It's a bit cartoon-like, but it's still easy enough to understand. The next big movement was Cubism, which was invented by George Brack and Pablo Picasso. This is a bit weird because it's supposed to be a way of representing something from different perspectives, all arranged together around straight edges and angles. But I think Picasso just did it because it looks cool. Two more movements from the beginning of the 20th century are Futurism and Art Deco. Futurist paintings expand on Cubism and Neo-Impressionism, but focus on the excitement of modern life. Art Deco is normally associated with buildings and furniture. The name is a shortened version of decorative arts, but there are some paintings that are described as Art Deco. In the 1940s, abstract expressionism took over. Artists like Picasso, Pollock and Rothko gave us new ways of seeing the world through their strange interpretations. These artists demonstrated that anything was possible and hundreds of movements were born. Artwork from the 1940s till today is often just called contemporary art, or at least museums and galleries of modern art often use this title. But as I said, this covers a very wide range of movements. Some of this work is hard to understand and you need to read the description to make any sense of it. I will admit that Lots of abstract art is beyond me, and when I visit a gallery of contemporary art, I tend to walk around quite quickly and see if anything catches my eye. So, there you have an overview of the styles and movements in art that you'll find if you visit somewhere like the National Gallery in London. There's a lot of information in this podcast, as well as a lot of vocabulary. Before I finish... I want to say something quickly about names. The most famous artists whose work you can find in the National Gallery in London are not British. Loads of them are Italian, some French and some Dutch, and others from all over the world. I once had an Italian student tell me that the way I said Michelangelo was completely wrong and it should be Michelangelo. While I understand what my student was saying... I'm not convinced. I think that some names, when something is famous enough, get kind of translated and used in different languages and that means it's okay to say Michelangelo and Leonardo da Vinci. It's a bit like place names. 
When there's an established way to say the place name in English, I think you should use that. If I'm in France, I'd use the word Londres to talk about London. However, if there is no established pronunciation, you can use the original. I'm not sure about this. What do you think? I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I do love reading your comments, so please leave me a comment on the site or a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. I love to hear from you and any comments or suggestions you have. Thank you also to those of you that have bought me a coffee. I really appreciate it. If there are any topics or songs or scenes from a film that you'd like me to talk about or anything else you'd like to hear, I would be delighted to make a podcast for you. So please visit learnenglishvocabulary.co.uk and say hello. Thanks for listening. Unexpected trouble? CashNet USA can take the stress out of borrowing emergency funds. Our fast, secure application process makes it easy to apply online 24-7. Plus, CashNet USA offers same-day funding if approved before 10.30 a.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Additional terms may apply. Visit CashNetUSA.com or tap the banner to apply today. More than one in three people will face cancer in their lifetime. Unfortunately, fear can stop you from getting your cancer screening, but it won't stop cancer. Early detection can save your life. Don't wait for symptoms to appear to act. Cancer screening is safe, effective, and accessible for everyone, including free or low-cost screening programs. Go to CancerScreenInfo.com right now for free screening resources and recommendations from the American Cancer Society. Don't wait. Early detection can save your life. Go to CancerScreenInfo.com today. CancerScreenInfo.com dot com.